Well, good morning. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I welcome you on this Lord's Day Sabbath. This morning, with God's help, as I said uh, a moment ago, we will be considering uh, chapters 10 through 12. So I encourage you to leave your uh, scriptures out. If you are wanting a title for this sermon, the title of the sermon is Worship and a Call to Self-Examination. Worship and a Call to Self-Examination. We will be considering at least four or five points this morning. Number one, the basis of our meeting with God. The basis of our meeting with God. The writer to the Hebrews addresses many Christological doctrines. Among them, the priestly work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews, I'm going to say Paul. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to keep saying the author, the writer. I believe it's Paul labors to make the point that in the old covenant, the priest would offer sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people. But he would do this on an annual basis yearly. The point of a yearly offering, an annual offering in the old economy was to remind the people that the blood of Bulls and goats, the blood of animals, was not sufficient to remove their sins. Therefore, two things were taking place when an offering was offered. When the priest offered this annual sacrifice, the people are reminded that their sin remained. And they were increasingly drawn near to look to the one who would provide an atonement for their sin, but a permanent one. In the old economy, they were reminded of these two things. When the animal was offered, this animal will not remove your sin. And secondly, to look to the one who will provide a permanent offering for your sin, so that your sins will be removed. They weren't allowed into the presence of God because of their sin. The writer of Hebrews, Paul, says that the Old Testament sacrifices were a shadow of good things to come. There there is something good coming. It's not here yet in the Old Testament. Namely, Christ. Christ would be the fulfillment of all of those Old Covenant sacrificial offerings. Christ is both priest who offers sacrifice to atone for sin, and Christ is also himself the sacrifice. Priest of the old covenant never entered the holy place and offered their own blood. They never offered their own blood to atone for their own sin because they were sinners. Their blood would not be sufficient. Their blood was incapable of saving anyone. Priests of the Old Covenant offered blood sacrifices for the sins of the people and also for their own sins. And yet, each time, annually, those sins were offered, they were reminded, this animal is not doing it for you. This animal is not enough. You still are not allowed into the presence of God, people. But look to the one who will will one day bring you in. 
Christ enters the holy place as both priest offering sacrifice for sin and also as sacrifice himself. The blood for the sacrifice was his own. Christ, as we know, was tempted and yet without sin. God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. By this one great offering, the offering of Christ, offered for sins for all, for sin for all time, Christ sat down at the right hand of God displaying that his, his sacrificial work is complete. All that Christ needs to do in terms of sacrificing for sin, atoning for sin, is done. No more offerings are required for man's sin to be atoned for. Hebrews 10, 14. For by, the, for by the one offering he has perfected for all time, listen to this, those who, who are sanctified. Those who are sanctified. If we have, by the grace of God, trusted, and I pray this is you, trusted in the one time sacrifice of Christ, if you have placed your faith in Christ and in his sacrifice, then listen to this, then you are those who, listen to this, are sanctified. Right now, you have been set apart by God. You are sanctified. Revelation says that you are those who are sealed by God the Holy Spirit. If you place your faith in Christ alone, yes? Hebrews 10, 15, and the Holy Spirit also testifies to us after this, saying, This is the covenant that I will make with him. Follow me. If you place your faith in Christ, in his sacrifice, God makes covenant with you, and here it is. In those days, I will put my law upon their hearts, and on their mind I will write them. Evidence that you have truly believed in Christ in his one-time sacrifice, that you've been sealed by the Spirit, who then infuses you with this, a longing in your mind and in your heart for all that God has commanded. Um, ask yourself, saints, do, is that you? Do you long and love all that God has commanded, both here and here? All that God has commanded, do you love it here and here? Evidence of love here and here for him and his law um, show if you love, it shows that you belong to God. If you don't love it here and you don't love it here, then you don't belong to God. Very simply, the commands that were once suppressed by us, we once suppressed God's commands. We once did not love them both in our minds nor in our hearts. By the salvific work of the triune God are now those, those commands that we now find rest. We once suppressed them, now we find rest in them. Is that you? The man of God now loves all that God commands. Listen to this, not perfectly. Someone may say, I, I do, but I, not like I should. Well, then you're on the right track. I know I love God in his word in my mind. I don't understand it all, but I love it. Then you're on the right track. I don't understand everything, but I'm trying. Then you're on the right track. Amen. Not, not perfectly, progressively, in, increasingly. Does that describe you? Do you love God and his commands more and more every day? They, they used to sing when I would go to the prisons in Chowchilla, sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Amen. Is, is that so with you? 
the work of Christ and this sealing because of faith in Christ by the Holy Spirit is then, listen to this now, it's then the basis for our entering. Entering where? Well, Paul is talking about the presence of God. Therefore, verse 19, brethren, uh, that is those who place their faith in Christ, brethren, since we have confidence to enter. To hear that word again? Enter where? To enter the holy place by the, by the what? By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, not a dead way. Uh, the animals that were offered back then, they, they were offered and then they died. And they didn't come back to life. The author is saying, we have now access into the presence of God by a new and living, not dead, because Christ died, but he is alive forevermore, new and living way, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, how? Through his flesh. Since we have a high, great, not just a high priest, a great high priest, over the house, of, no, no other high priest was ever described as great. Great high priest. Over the house of God, therefore do this. Ready? Let us draw near. Dear saints, why have you come this morning? For what purpose are you here? We have begun our worship this morning, listen to this, with a call to worship. Were you present? Not because this call has come first from a man. Not because me or Isaiah are calling you, no. But because the call has preeminently and principally come from God. You who have trusted in Christ... You come on this day, not Monday or Thursday, but on this, the first day. Why? Why, why are you here on, on this particular day, the first day? I believe that it's because you understand that you've been able to understand that you are convinced that this day is uniquely different from all the other days. Therefore, you have prepared for this day in a uniquely different way. On this particular day, you have come for the purpose, I pray, of of beating with God. Amen. Is that what enters your mind as you arise from sleep, as you depart from your home? Do you think, I'm arising, I'm preparing to meet with God? Do you contemplate Not that you're going to church. Where are you going? I'm going to church. The two may be, the one may imply the other. But do you have, first and foremost in your mind, I am arising. We are getting ready. We are getting dressed. I am grabbing my things. Because I am going to meet with God. A friend asked you on Monday, what did you do yesterday? Do you ever respond, I met with God? What makes you so sure that you're meeting with God? Listen to this right now. Am I being too dramatic? Am I being too theatrical right now? 
when I say we're meeting with God right now? How can you be so certain that you are right now meeting with God? Paul tells us the answer, because Christ, our high priest, who has, he has both entered the holy place to offer blood, a blood sacrifice, and he himself is that sacrifice. The writer says those in the Old Testament were never allowed into God's presence because their sin barred them from such place, such a place. That's not the case anymore. A new and living sacrifice has been offered. Therefore, you can you can now enter the, the holy place of God. You can now go in. But not just go in. Tony, you can go in with confidence. The high priest of the Old Testament uh, used to have a rope tied to him. Because it may be found in him that he was not... A person who was um, in his own heart and mind prepared to offer to God that which God had required of him. And he may just fall dead before God and they may need to dra drag him out. Can you imagine the sheer fear of going into the presence of God with a rope tied to your leg just in case when you get there you don't, you don't make it. And now Paul is saying, we have a priest who has gone before us who not only was sinless to offer the sacrifice, but then offers his, himself as the sacrifice so that you can too go in. He's gone be behind the veil. For you and for me. Therefore, when you come and meet with God, you can do so with confidence. You can be in the presence of God without fear. You've not come to Sinai. You've come to Zion. Now, the road, notice the writer does not say that, that God comes down. Rather, we go in. Churches that I grew up in, we're calling God down. The scriptures actually teach, no, God calls us up. Amen. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place. Hebrews 10, 19. Uh, Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near. We go in. He doesn't come out. Right? He calls us up. We don't break him down. Saints, you have come today to meet with God. Little ones, you may be thinking, what are we doing? We are meeting with God. I don't see him. There are many things, people, that, that are around you that you cannot see. Uh, in the catechism question, can you see God? No, but God can see you. We are not trying to work ourselves up into a frenzy in order to bring God down. No. We're not called to wait for a song and for a minister to make us feel something. Rather, when we offer right worship to God, that which he has required of us, we his people are brought up into his presence. Amen. Saints, Paul wants us to... Paul wants us to marvel at this. To absolutely be floored by this. That when you assemble for worship, you meet with God. Amen. Amen. You are allowed. Marvel at this. You are now allowed into his presence. Marvel at that. Yes. Be amazed at that. 
You were once denied access, and now it's been granted to you. Where? Here and now. Marvel at this. We're more amazed by Christmas lights than we are being right now in the church, in the presence of God. We're more amazed that we can see mountains because of the rain than we are the one who made and formed the mountains, who has called us into his presence right now. The basis, again, is the blood of Christ, which sprinkles our consciences clean. How do you know that you have a clean, a clean conscience based upon the changed heart that longs to hear and obey the commands of God? How do you know it's been changed? It's been changed. A desire to now hear and obey the law commands of God. I, tell me what, tell me what he says, pastor. Tell me what he commands, pastor. I long to obey it. Um, is that you? Because of this, because we are meeting with God, the writer of the Hebrews, Paul, he gives four reasonable commands for those who meet with God. Number two, let us draw near with a sincere heart. Let us, then you're going to see uh, four, let us, essentially, let us. Verse 22, Paul is now giving hearers both in command and encouragement to enter into God's presence. He's already given the basics. How are you allowed into the presence of God? Because of the person and work of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. Therefore, because of this once-for-all sacrifice offered for us, you don't need to be hesitant to go into God's presence. Instead, the writer of the Hebrews encourages those who are in the faith not only to enter, but in verse 19, to enter with confidence. He's repeating what he said in chapter 4. Verse 4, uh, chapter 4 and verse 14. Because we have a, high, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, and because he is truly God and truly man, he knows our weaknesses, the weaknesses of our humanity. He's assumed the true humanity with all of the weaknesses of humanity apart from sin. Therefore... If you place your faith in that one who has offered that once for all time sacrifice, he's given you a new heart. There should be nothing that prevents you from coming into the presence of God. I, I, I know I failed this week. Come into his presence. I know that my thoughts have not been what they should be. Come into his presence. I know my heart is wrestling right now. Come into his presence. Because you're coming into the presence of God. You're entering in. It's not Based upon your own righteousness. It's based upon the righteousness of another. Namely, our great high priest who is our righteousness. Who has been made sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. If your faith is in Christ, there is no reason why you should hesitate to take one step forward into entering into his presence. Not one. Matter of fact, the scriptures say, enter his gates with what? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and with what? And with joy in your heart, with melody in your heart. Where are you now? When you pass through those doors and when the call to worship came, you've entered into his gates. We just sang it, didn't we, Dustin? We just sang it. Dear one, 
You're not entering because of your own righteousness. You know that, don't you? You know that. Should that not bring you great joy then when you when you are called to worship and you stand when you're called to worship and you hear? Should that not bring you great joy that that which you were once denied access to has been opened for you? Uh, my brother and I do jobs many times where we're behind a gate. We can't get in. And it's frustrating. You see the people leaving. They're going out on the opposite side and you're saying, can one of y'all just push the button for me just one time? Let me in. I've got to go do work. I've got things to do in there. And they're just passing you up and they're looking at you like you don't belong. If you belong, you would have an access code. Then all of a sudden you get one. I can't tell you the feeling that, that, that I feel when I've been denied access for so long and I find that I got in. Now I can move on with my life. Now I can get on with my day. Terrible analogy. You and I were once denied access into the gates of God's presence. But Christ has given you through his blood access that you may now enter in. Doesn't that not bring you joy? Oh, if I didn't have to go to church today. Oh, if we only lived in places where it snowed so that I would have a good excuse to not go. My toe feels a little, my, my, my smallest toe. It hurts a little bit. I think that's a, a, a sufficient enough excuse to not attend. Do you know where you're going? The problem is that we have only thought of our arising and departing as merely going to church and not going to church to meet with God. We are in God's presence. Maybe it is because when we are in God's presence, we know that we are exposed. And that is precisely the reason why many of us don't want to be in God's presence. We know that when we are there, God and God by his word will expose us for who we really are. I recently came across a wonderful Lecture by Michael Foley on St. Augustine and the quest for self-knowledge. In that lecture, Professor Foley discusses Augustine's wrestling with the philosopher Socrates and his quest for self-examination. Don't check out. Listen. Augustine makes the point, and these are all paraphrases, that we don't really want to examine ourselves. Nor do we just want to be examined. Anybody want to go to the doctor? I, just, I don't feel right. I just need a checkup. Aren't you at least hesitant to know what they're going to find when they examine? You go, I'm not sure. I, I know I feel okay, but something's not right. I, I need to go look, get looked at. I'm reaching that age that I, I probably should do that regularly. Haven't done it in about 15 years. I'm afraid of what they'll find. But it will do me good if they find it now rather than in ten more years, should the Lord give me that many years. Your coming to church is a spiritual, ex your meeting with God is a spiritual examination. Every single time. Augustine, paraphrasably, makes the point that we're afraid of what we'll find, namely the sin that's there. We prefer to wear masks. So as to present our, so as to present the best of ourselves, the best selves to people so that 
we won't be ridiculed or seen as anything less than acceptable when people see who we really are. Augustine said that we hide our hearts from everyone until we eventually start hiding our hearts from ourselves. We don't want anyone to know our true self. We don't even want ourselves to know our true self. Have a discussion with someone about some of the things that you're going through. You all know, we all know that we we will give them some things, but not give them everything. Because giving them everything means I'm completely exposed. Augustine says, rather than tell somebody else about all the things that are going on with me, I'm just going to talk to myself because at least I'll be honest with myself. I'm not happy with giving myself. I'm not happy with flattering myself and telling myself, you're okay. And neither is the true believer. The true believer is not okay with looking at themselves and saying, you're okay. You're okay. It's exactly what what James says, doesn't he? That when we look into the word of God, we don't walk away and forget what we see. We look intently into the word of God. The mirror is the word of God. We look intently into that word. Why? To be changed. Because we're not satisfied with being who we are. We want to be like Christ. Augustine even points out that we love when truth is revealed. We love when truth is revealed. But we don't like when truth reveals us. We must never be okay with being anything less than honest with ourselves. Saints, in God's presence, that's where that happens. Here's why. Because God examines, God reveals, and exposes, not necessarily to one another, even though that wouldn't be so bad, but exposes who we are to ourselves. And it is imperative that when that that examination, when the results are When the results are provided, uh, we don't go, oh, I don't believe that. Throw it over our head. Oh, let me see that examination. Light it up real quick so that nobody else can see, including ourselves. If we are in Christ, we must not. It is imperative that we do not skip those self-examinations. And where do they take place? Right here and now. Some of your eyes looking at me tell me that you know you are being examined right now. And here's what God does. Listen to this. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen to what it does. Listen to what God's word does. Listen. Piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, able to judge what? Your... Thoughts and your intentions, where? All the way down to your soul, to your heart. When the word of God is brought forth, it does a spiritual x-ray of the soul, and we must not resist that examination. For the believer, it is a hopeless effort to resist God's examining of your soul. It's immature to push the matters away, the matters of the heart, because what God is doing is bringing them all to the surface. Why? So that he can remove them. God exposes our sin. We are his, his jewel. We are his gold. He puts us through refining fire. And part of that is through the word of God. So that all of the impurities. All that does not glorify God. Rises so that God can remove it. And if it rises and we push it back down. Then we are resisting his conforming us to Christ. I'll deal with it another day. 
That's not for me. Uh, let me preoccupy myself with other things so that I don't have to hear what God is actually saying. Uh, where's my phone at? Let, let me pull out my phone. and um, Oh, there's a kid who needs my attention. Uh, 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 there's something going on outside. Uh, uh, I'll just stay here and let my mind go somewhere else. No! God is speaking to you through his word. Do not resist his discipline. Examine yourself and receive it with humility. For God is showing you that he, that you are his children when this happens. Do you desire to be like Christ? Then the unexamined life is not worth living. If you don't want to be like Christ, you don't want to examine yourself. Just stop living. Where are you right now? You are in the presence of God. Scriptures, Paul, Paul will say, there is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are open and laid bare before. Do you know how hard this sermon was for me? You think I'm sitting here pointing my finger at you. I spent the whole week finger being pointed at me. At one point I sat, I was preparing the sermon. I looked over at my wife and I said, honey, I love you. And I appreciate you. You know why? Because I hadn't thought about the last time that I just sat and told my wife, not on the phone, okay, love you, bye. But just looked at her without her asking or doing anything for me and just saying to her, I'm convicting of myself. Honey, I love you. And I appreciate you. I am so sorry I tell her for not telling you that more often like I should. As I'm preparing this sermon. This is all of us, saints. This is all of us. All things open and laid bare to, him, to the eyes of him whom we have to listen to this. Listen, Paul says this. Listen, he goes, God sees everything. He exposes everything. Everything you're trying to hide. Good luck. You won't be able to. He sees it all. But then listen, if he does, we might go. Huh. No, there's nowhere for you to hide. You can't do any of that. Listen to this. The author goes about. Goes this, he says, God exposes everything about who we are, and then, if we might use that as our own excuse for saying, well, then I don't want anything to do with him or his presence. I don't want to go anywhere near him, because you'll see all my shame. It's all laid bare. At that very moment, the, the, Paul goes this, he says, but we have a great high priest. I don't want to go near, because I might get exposed. He might see everything, and then Paul goes, yeah, he will. But we have a great high priest. But we have a great high priest. He has gone before. He's lived in your flesh. He knows your weaknesses. He has not sinned. He's passed through the heavens. So look to him. And when you do, all your sins are removed. Don't, don't forget the promise. I will put my law on their heart. I will write it on their minds. And their, listen to this. And here's the promise. And their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. He's going to see me. You're right, he is. And then when he does, he's going to take those sins and remember them no more. So don't hide them. It's a fool's errand to hide them. David says, where am I going to go? I go to heaven. I go to the depths. He's everywhere. Therefore, here's bringing this point together. Let us draw near with confidence. Not confidence in yourself, no. Not confidence, confidence in our great high priest who has both been the offerer and the offering to atone for our sins. Therefore, 
Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that you may receive. So why? So that you may receive. He's going to see it all. So come to his throne confidently and bring it so that you may receive grace and mercy in time of need. You're weak. Bring him your weaknesses. You've got sin and shame and guilt. Bring him all of those things. And what does he do? He gives you grace. He gives you mercy. Don't stay away from this, the presence of God. He says, in time of need. What would be the time of need? Every time would be the time of need. (laughs) Each day we continue in this body. We fail, we sin, we fall short. But specifically, what is that time of need? It's when we enter his presence. We need him now. I need him now. The condemning guilt of our sin has been removed by Christ. And each time we enter into the presence of God, we do so not by saying, okay, let me give another offering so that he can forgive me of my sins. No, saints, that's, that offering has already been, been offered. So what are you offering? Here's, here's me then, God. Here's all of me. I am yours. We enter based upon the one-time sacrifice, being assured by faith, which is a sincere heart that we have in fact been sprinkled clean. We've been washed, made new. Our hearts have been circumcised by the Holy Spirit. He's taken the heart of flesh and given us a heart of stone. And we, with this confidence that Christ has now given us, enter based upon what Christ has done for us, we draw near. This is a command. That we enter into the presence of God, trusting that we have truly been saved. When you walk through those doors, what should come through your mind? Christ has truly saved me. Therefore, I am joyfully entering into his gates. I'm here. God has done this. Examine yourself this morning, saints. Is that anywhere in your thoughts when you come here? Or is it always, I just, I'm just here. I made it to Yampa. God is calling you to Zion. And it seems as though the author, Paul, is calling people to have this confidence in Christ. Listen to this. As both the basis for your entering into his presence and as the thing that should be at the forefront of your mind when you're here. This is a call for us, listen to this, to heighten your awareness Of what's taking place when you worship. What's taking place now? We're not encouraged. We're commanded. Enter into his presence by faith. In our high priest. You have been sprinkled clean. You've been washed with pure water. You've been baptized dear one. You've been united to Christ in the presence of all the saints, saying, I publicly identify myself with his life and death and resurrection. And as Christ lived, I once lived. And as Christ died, I now die. And as Christ was raised, I too will be raised. And I'm standing among saints who are making the same confession. We are here. Draw near with confidence. Number three, let us 
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Verse 23. Because we have been given access to enter into the holy presence of God, God has examined us and provided one to cover sin that is found there. So hold fast to your confession. Without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. Yes. The author is going to drive this point home in the following verses and chapters by essentially saying, in light of such a perfect offering of for sin, how can we go on sinning? In light of this perfect offering that has been offered for our sin, how in the world can we continue to sin? Two ones. Confession. We confess, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all things invisible, maker of all things visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being with the Father. Through him all things were made. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that Christ is the only way by which fallen humanity may be reconciled to God. We believe that it is through the means of the gospel that the Holy Spirit brings dead men to life. We believe that we should pursue beatitude, the blessed life, the God kind of life. That we should progressively grow in knowledge and in knowledge, faith and in faith, hope and in hope, love. We believe all of these things. And we also know this, that our that our adversary, our defeated foe, Satan will seek to steal and to kill and destroy those virtues by his wicked army. That we will suffer reproach. That we will will be persecuted. We will be slandered. We will be pursued to the grave. Satan can't have your soul, so he'll go after your body. And in going after your body, he will seek to try to cause you to deny that which you confess to be true. That's what we've been learning in Revelation, isn't it? Let me make all this clear. Life's not easy. Life is difficult. We have heartbreaks. We have extreme heartbreaks. There are things that take place in our lives that cause us to ask this one question. What's the point of it all? May I say to you, you're not alone. You've not, you've not been the only one to go through difficulty. You've not been the only one to ask yourself, what's the point of it all? Follow me now, okay? Because there have been many who are among you and who have gone before you who have endured the same challenges of life. Paul commands those who are enduring suffering To keep enduring. How, Paul? How? Don't look at these things that are temporal, dear one. Look to those things that are eternal. (laughs) He says in Hebrews 10.35, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw it away. Don't throw away your hope. Don't throw it away. It has a great reward if you don't throw it away. Hold fast to your confession. But I want you to see the progression. Christ has done this. Come into his presence. Enter boldly. And because you have access into his presence, you know that there is something greater ahead of you. 
than what you see here and now. He says, you need endurance. Look, uh, can I have you for one second attention? Are you going to keep going? Then you need endurance. Do you want to keep serving Christ? Then you need endurance. Uh, do you want to be conformed to Christ? Then you need endurance. Do you want your children to grow up? To know that mom and dad loved God and that they were a good example of what, what a godly family looks like? And do you want them to be Christians who serve God? Then you need endurance. Uh, I hope Armando doesn't mind. Uh, Armando was one of those men that when I would run with him back in the day, I was, I was always nervous. Because he had increasing endurance. Each time I knew I was going to get pushed further than the last time that we ran together. But he was doing that by good diet. He was doing that by continuing to run when we weren't running together. So that when we did run together, he was going to outrun me. We would run together and I would say to him, I thought we were running together. As he ran away from me. You're commanded to not just keep going, but to endure in faith. And how does that happen? Well, it doesn't happen by sitting around and eating Oreos, pizza, and Doritos as your spiritual diet. How will you continue to endure if you are not practicing spiritual disciplines and virtues throughout the rest of the week. If your only good meal is on the Sabbath. This is the primary meal where you should eat. But it's not the only meal that you should eat. For yet in a little while, he who is coming will come. And he will not delay. When he comes, it's over. But my righteous one, those who are anticipating that that return, my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul will take no pleasure in him. Live by faith. Keep enduring. Keep pursuing God. And don't shrink back. Shrink back is to withdraw. It's to retreat. It's to turn away. Saints, examine yourselves. Do you find that you are often withdrawing from the presence of God? Do you you find that you are often shrinking back, that you are turning away? It's not your time to hide it. It's your time to confess it. Do you know that repentance, confession and repentance is a gift from God? It's that God grants repentance. So that when you repent, God granted you that gift of repentance. It's not something I'll repent when I want to. No, you repent when he allows you to. And if you've examined yourself and said, you know, I often do retreat. I often do find, let me say this, silly excuses, bad excuses to not attend the gathering of the saints. Then, dear one, confess your sins and repent. Not attend, no, not enter into the presence of God. Here's what, what I just did. I made attendance just going to church rather than attendance synonymous with meeting with God. See, when we don't hold fast, we, we think that I'm just not going to church. No, you're, you're choosing not to meet with God. This is for those who have legitimate reasons. When you go, I'm just not going to go today. 
you are willfully choosing not to meet with God. Let's go back. The wonder that we are able to meet with God. Paul wants to marvel at that. And then we go, I'm not going today. You see how ridiculous that is? You see how ridiculous that is? Paul would go, are you kidding me? You must not realize what's been given to you then. Praise God that he's graciously showing you again yourself. And in doing so, preserving you. In, in us seeing ourselves... Acknowledging it, repenting of it, God is once again saying, uh, in that lecture, uh, Augustine will call that another conversion. I got made new again, again. Therefore, if you are those who don't shrink back, then here's what Paul says of you. Listen to this. He goes, don't shrink back. God is coming, and he's coming for those who are looking forward to his coming. And listen to what he says. But you ain't going to shrink back. You know why? Listen to what he says in verse 30, 39. Because we're not those who shrink back. <laughs> I love that. You're not going to shrink back. You know why? Because I, I think Tony, I heard Tony say this with our family once. He was saying it to one of his kids because I'm not as tall as Tony. He goes, we're built different. <laughs> we're built different. Well, if you're in Christ, uh, you are built different. You won't shrink back because that's not who we are. Because we don't shrink back. Because those who shrink back, Paul says, they shrink back to destruction. But those of faith have a have those who have faith to the preserving of your soul, God keeps you. You don't shrink back because you you don't shrink back because you don't shrink back. What is more, Though your name may not be explicitly present like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and David, who endured suffering, they held fast to their confession. And you can say and rejoice with those who have gone gone before you, who have been provided for you as witnesses. Of those who also held fast to their confession that you too, even though your name is not there, you're like them. Because they held fast. And if you hold fast, then you are in, even though your name's not there, then you are in Hebrews 11. You are those who are enrolled in heaven. If you hold fast to your confession. I know it's hard. I know. No one said it's easy. No one said it was going to be, as dad used to say, tiptoeing through the tulips. No one said it was going to be easy. But you've been given a cloud of witnesses. Listen to Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, uh, after mentioning all of these names, he goes, therefore, since we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, you and me, us, you and me, let us lay aside every encumbrance, weight, and sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He says... Are you having a difficult time in life? Look at them. Be encouraged. Look at them. Look at David. Look at Saul. Look at uh, Paul. Uh, Look at Solomon. He says, look at them. Are you finding it difficult to run? Look at Abraham. Are you finding it difficult to run? Look at Jacob. Are you finding it difficult to run? Look at Rahab. 
be encouraged by them who have gone before us. And their testimony still stands. So that you can continue to run. They endured. They held fast. And they all had this in common. They fixed their eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of the faith. Watch this now. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you see what he's just done? Full circle. He's brought us back to the person and the work of Christ. Why can you come into the presence of God? Because of the priestly work of Christ. Why should you hold fast to your confession? Because of the priestly work of Christ. Uh, Consider the hostility that he endured. Consider his betrayal. Consider his mocking. Consider all that he endured. And even offered his own blood. And here's what Paul goes. And you want to shrink back? I'm going to tell you from scripture what he exactly says. I've been in church for 43 years. You know that? Sat down and I said, 43 years? Man, I'm getting old. I don't know life without church. I've seen time and time again. Faith in Christ be new and exciting until it's no longer new and no longer exciting. 43 years I've seen it. Uh, talking to David, on uh, Isaiah, Pastor Isaiah said, it's going to be a longer day. Thank you, Pastor Isaiah. I, I remember driving with David, and we were talking about, my dad was talking about, a minister who had just started the ministry. He was excited. He was yelling. He was Everyone was getting excited by him. And my dad, someone nudged my dad and said, look at that guy. My dad said, yes, show me him in 20 years. Faith in Christ, even the Reformed faith, it's new and exciting until it's no longer new and exciting. <sighs> Learning was a joy. Now it's monotonous. It's laborious. Worship's new. It's simple. We don't have all the lights and we think much about those things, right? Until it becomes boring and monotonous. And we're somehow waiting to be moved by someone. Or we wait for sermons like this or we go, oh, that was a good shot in the arm. Your pastors don't want to give you these kind of sermons. We're just going to church. We aren't meeting with God anymore. And if our endurance depends upon a place where the unexpected happens, where spontaneous events take place, then we're going to soon find ourselves wanting. If our endurance depends upon those things, what's going to happen today? You never know at RBC. Well, you do know exactly what's going to happen at RBC. Our worship is predictable. Intentionally predictable by God. So Mario, should you be accepted in membership... And should the Lord tarry for another 20 years, we will be worshiping the same way 20 years from now. Know what you're getting into. You're not going to come and open the doors one day and go, you just, you invite people, come to RBC because you never know what's going to happen. If your enduring depends upon something exciting happening each time, let me tell you, something exciting is happening each time. You are meeting with God. You don't have to uh, cut yourself and work yourself into a frenzy in order to say, I think we met with God today. 
you can be assured that because you've offered proper worship, you have met with God. And if that's not exciting to you, this is not a church for you. The suffering of this life and even the days where we feel like the pits cause us to sometimes ask, what's the point? Paul responds. He goes like, he says this, uh, Hebrews 12, 4. Listen to what he says, because you would not believe it if it wasn't here in the scriptures. He says, says, when we say, what's the point? Paul says, you've not resisted. Please listen to this. He goes, you haven't resisted to the point of shedding your blood and striving against sin. (laughs) He says, you're wondering whether or not you should, you should continue to run, whether or not you should go and meet with God. Who did you die for? You haven't shed your blood for anybody, and you're wondering whether or not you should go to church? You're wondering whether or not you should meet with God? What have you done that was, what have you done that was mediatorial? Like Christ. And Christ endured the cross for the joy set before Him. You're not sure if you want to go to church? Who have you died for? We aren't facing crucifixion in this country. We aren't shedding blood to pay for sins. And we're not sure if we can get up and go to church to meet with God that has been afforded to you by the person and work of Christ in his high priestly work. Hmm. I think it's time to examine our hearts. He says in verse five, you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the the discipline of your Lord. When he says these things, he's saying, Yes, you're right now being disciplined. Endure. Why would you not endure? Christ endured. And you're thinking about whether or not you should endure. Yes, dear one, you are being disciplined right now. Don't regard it lightly. Nor faint when you are reproved, corrected. Don't, don't, oh, I can't take this correction. <laughs> I, I don't want to go anywhere near you because you might correct me. I don't want to go anywhere near God's word. He says, don't faint when you're corrected. Stand up. Uh, later on, he's going to say, strengthen your feeble knees. Uh, act like a man or like a woman of God. Take it. For those whom he loves, he disciplines. And listen to this. And he scourges. You know what a scourge is? Um, it's, it's whipped. It's spanked. He spanks every son who he receives. If you're his, yes, he even harshly sometimes, in some people's estimation, he, he also spanks you. Because he loves you. Why should you hear this? Because you're his children. Why should you humbly believe and accept this? Because you're his children. And during this time, he examines and he disciplines. And we should humbly accept the discipline. Because we are his children. If we don't get disciplined, then we're not his children. Do you want the latter? Do you want to not be his children? What's he revealing? He's revealing that we must heighten our faith in what is taking place when we gather. We're meeting with God. How is it possible? By Christ, his person at work. But what about when I'm tired or tried or tested and suffer in various ways? Consider those who came before you. Consider Christ. Christ endured more than any man ever did before him and any man ever deserved before him. And yet for the joy set before him, he held fast 
how much more you and I. Therefore, Hebrews 12, 12, strengthen your hands and your weak and feeble and your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. He's telling you to stand up straightly so that you can be healed by this correction. If you shrink back, you turn to sin and you trample on the blood of the Son of God. That's what he says in Hebrews 10. And then he says, and it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of God. Those who shrink back, shrink back to destruction. Don't let that be you. Do I have two more? Yes, I do. Number four. This will be a shorter one. Let us consider how to stimulate one another. To love and good deeds. <clears throat> Dear ones, we have been granted access into the presence of God by the person and work of Christ. Let us hold fast to the confession. Let us not shrink back. Let us endure and encourage and, and encourage others who are tempted to shrink back by encouraging or listen to, by considering how to encourage them to love God and to do good things. Notice first the author calls you and I to consider. Consider one another. Saints, do you think about or do you consider those who you have been united to by faith in Christ? Are they in your prayers? Take a moment and look around. The person that your eyes have just fixed on, have you prayed for them any time lately? Are they in your thoughts? Are you thinking about those who you have not seen? Are you thinking about those who you have seen? Are you thinking about what they are wrestling through and struggling through? Are you thinking about how to encourage them? Do you send them a text? Do you give them a call? Do you care for them as family even more and even maybe as equal as your own family? When you're preparing to meet with God, are you also considering that you will meet with these who are standing and sitting next to you? Do you long for the time of meeting with them or would you prefer to do without it? And by it, I mean them. Let me be very frank with you. Do you have places when you meet with God that during the time of fellowship you escape to so that you don't have to meet with each other? The author is calling us to once again consider one another and how we might encourage one another to love and good deeds. You might see other saints. I'm, I'm going to use Dustin because I think he's the, the example that we all might uh, think of. When you see others who are encouraging others, do you say, I wish I could encourage others like that person encourages others? It is true that some people are uniquely gifted in that particular way. But it doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to encourage others. Aren't you indwelt by the Trinity? Aren't you indwelt by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Haven't you been given a new heart and new mind? Aren't you joined by faith in Christ? And, and, and don't you call them brother and sister? It's not a matter of ability. It's a matter of faith and desire. There are no excuses that are good enough for not considering how you might encourage the saints to love God in good deeds. When we go on break, our phones are not to be the place that we go to. Our secret places throughout this, this facility and wherever else throughout this place are not our places we can go to, to to escape. No, we have been called to find some kind of way, 
commanded to find some kind of way to encourage each other. How are you doing it? It could be simple things. Say, say hello. Smile. It's wonderful to see you. Not flattery. I, I don't need you to tell me, you look wonderful today. I don't need to hear all that. It's And you don't need to tell us. You look so, oh, well, look how you put all that together. You, none of that needs to be. It's good to see you. Amen. I'm blessed that you are here. Those are simple things. True, sincere. I've been praying for you. And, and if you if you have been, then mean it. <laughs> don't say, I, I, oh, I see you. It's the, it's the Christian thing to say. Say it and mean it. I pray the Lord will continue to give you grace to love him. Can I pray with you about anything? Would you pray with me? Have good conversations about good things that are in the sermon or challenging things. Spend time praying that God would save their loved ones. Spend time sharing difficulties and encouraging one another to hold fast to your to confess and listen to laugh together, cry together, eat together. Encourage one another in the Lord. Can I say something? <laughs> Who's going to say that? Right? <laughs> Many of us have been hurt. I've been in church, and I don't, I'm not the gold standard by any means. I've been hurt a lot in my life by people who call themselves Christians. Matter of fact, <laughs> I think 98% of those who hurt me in my life have been those who call themselves Christians. I'm not allowed to build up walls so that no other Christians can come in. I'm not allowed to. You're going to get hurt. Being hurt is, is it's, it's a reality of being human. You're going to get hurt. People are going to say things to you and about you that hurt you. It's a part of also growing and learning and gaining wisdom. It's natural. But it's not Christ-like to build up walls. When we build up walls, we conspire with the devil to create division in the church. God has torn down the veil so that sinners can come in and sinners come in and start building up walls from other sinners. Who do we think we are? We're not only called to come near, but to call near, come near with confidence. We must, I'm speaking to myself. We must learn to be a forgiving people. And I don't want to say that. I like I like the animosity I have toward people. It, it makes me... It, I, I like the chip that I feel like I have on my shoulder. That's my flesh. That's the part of me that, that is still being put to death. I'm not allowed to walk around with a chip. Not if I'm a Christian. I'm not allowed to walk around with animosity and unforgiveness in my heart. Toward, I want to. But I'm not allowed to. Therefore, God, increase my faith so that I do not. Because it does not please God when we hold sins against others, when God has forgiven us of all of our sins. We're commanded to stimulate one. I said it was going to be a shorter point. We're commanded to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. What good deeds? Saints, 
The, the deeds that are fitting for a believer to do. Whatever is fitting for a believer to do, do them. Read the word. Pray. Love. Encourage. Correct. Give to the needy. Care for widows. Give to the church. Care for your elders. Be good members so that our task is enjoyable. And also, it's not a sin for other saints to encourage you in these things as well. It's not a sin for a, for a saint to say, hey, you should go talk to so-and-so and encourage them. You say, who do you think you are? <laughs> no. You should, you should bless God that there are people who care about you and them enough to say, why don't you go and encourage them in the Lord? It's not a sin for them to do that. It's a sin for us to be offended by that. It's obedience because we're calling one another to stimulate each other to love and good deeds. Why don't you go spend time talking to them? I will on my own time. That's rebellious. I don't feel like it right now. Then why are you here? You're here to meet with God and to encourage the saints. Don't let sin be the thing that prevents you from doing so. And pride. The author will encourage in chapter 13, let the love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to stranger. For by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill treated since you yourselves are in the body. Marriage is to be held in high honor. Love each other. Um, this is what displays having a good conscience is having love for one another. And let the love that you give and the love of others be an encouragement to the church to love. Easy point. Five, and, and finally, let us not forsake the gathering. The author brings it all to this final point. Access has been granted to you by God through the person and work of Christ, our great high priest. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The assembling being spoken of here is the gathering of the saints for the meeting of, for the purpose of meeting with God. The command is, don't forsake it. Don't neglect it. Don't stay away. God, examine us now. And let us humbly accept your examination. The author is making this case. You are granted access into God's presence. Not someday after you die. When you assemble here and now. You are granted access to come boldly with confidence and with a clean conscience. So come. Amen. Meeting with God is not something that you should imagine is taking place. It really is happening right now. Just like you don't imagine that you're actually saved, you are actually saved. And here's what Paul says. Here's where you are, Paul says. Hebrews 12, 22. You've come to Mount Zion. Go home and read that over and over again. It's what happens when you worship. You've come to Mount Zion. To the city of the living God. Right now. You're in heavenly Jerusalem right now. When the call to, when the call to worship is announced, we are entering into his gates. We are in Zion. We are in heavenly Jerusalem. Since then, by the person and work of Christ, this priceless gift of grace has been granted to you. You must not stay away from the gathering of the saints. It, 
it, for it is when the saints gather that we meet with God. You cannot meet with God like this anywhere, anytime. I'll just meet with God at home. No, you won't. I'll just meet with God at, at Starbucks. No, you won't. You can't. Well, why not? Who says? God says. God says. Some might prefer meeting with God alone. But you won't be meeting with God. You'll be meeting with yourself. God commanded for his people to meet with him in the manner that he has commanded. Which means the call to worship matters. The call to worship is not a call to enter. The call to worship is the call to enter into the gates of the holy place to meet with God. Don't miss it. Insofar as you can help it, don't be late. The God's calling you in. And for us to go, that doesn't matter. We, we are late sometimes. Don't make that your habit. It's, it's, it's a bad spiritual discipline. God's calling you to worship. Be here. I'm going to say it again. Do not treat the discipline of the Lord lightly. God is treating you as sons. The author saying, you realize where you are, don't you? 308 Yampa. No, that's not where you are. You're in Zion. You're in heavenly Jerusalem. Though your church may be small and isolated, it's not isolated from God's presence. You think, let me just tell you, you think you're the only ones here right now? 10 o'clock, some of you look around and go, where's everybody at? You think you're the only ones here? Do you realize where you are? You come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, listen to this, and to the myriads of angels. It's why it matters, saints. Amen. Amen. Look around you right now. Well, I see Dustin, I see David, I see Maria. Do you remember what the prophet of the Old Testament said? God gave him eyes to see. His eyes were open to see that the hills were filled with chariots of angels. Do you know where you are? There are angels among you now. There, I'm going to say it again because some of you probably have never heard me say that. There are angels among you even now. That when Isaiah said this morning, let our voice be added to the angels of heaven who sing praises to you. The angels are right now present and they are ministering spirits. They are, they are helping us to eliminate distractions. They are helping us to say, focus on the word. Focus on the word. No, don't, 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 don't turn to that. Don't, don't look over here. Focus here. God is speaking to you, saint. There's more going on here than you can see. And if you can only uh, believe what you can see, then my friend, you're only carnal. You have entered into the holy assembly. And, 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 and Paul says, the, and also God, the angels, and to the general assembly. Those who are the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven. You're not just with God, you're with angels. And you're not just with angels, you're with all the saints who have gone before. You are with you are worshiping with Abel, with Seth, with Enoch, with Noah, with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Paul, John, Richard Faustino, 
Guga, Louis, they are worshiping. And you are brought up. They're not here. We're there. Are, they, are their names not written? Are their names not enrolled in heaven? Don't be more in awe of that, though, than we are of the grace that has been given to us to have access into the presence of God. Don't go, oh, my brother Louis is here. No, God is here. And Louis might go, too. My dad would go, huh? Uh-uh. We're worshiping him. And then this is what God does. He brings it all back. To God the judge and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of a better blood than Abel. He brought it all back. See how he did that? You've been granted access to the presence of God through the personal work of Christ. Don't neglect it because it's a priceless gift. You are here in his presence where there are countless angels, countless saints in the presence of God. This is possible through the blood of Christ that is more precious than the blood of Abel. Though no record of sin was recorded, he was still a son of Adam and needed to be saved. But Christ has done this. Don't miss this meeting. Don't miss the call to worship him. Don't miss the call that we give for help. God, help us. Don't miss singing and making melody with our hearts. It's a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips that give thanks to his name. Hebrews 13, 15. And in closing, and don't refuse him who is speaking to you. Who's speaking? God speaking. Where and how? Through his word. He's performing spiritual surgery. Give your attention to the word of God as an act of reverence and worship to God. And ask for the grace of God to help you obey all that has been said. My friends, my brothers and sisters, sleep no more during the time when the word of God is preached. Do all that is in your power and all that is afforded to you. To stay awake and hear God's word. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, could you not for one hour? I've gone over. I know I have. And let us not only perk up when we hear a hot button issue. <laughs> Obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Listen to them. And do this with joy and not grief, for this will be no, this will be of no profit to you. God has given your given you, you may not believe it, but I, but I know you do. God has given to you elders who are your gift. They have been specifically assigned to you to help you grow in Christ. Value them as such. They've been charged with study and preparation to feed God's sheep. We don't preach ourselves. We don't give our own opinions. We labor to give you God's word. And the very best of those who have labored to understand God's word. It's our responsibility to give you all that we believe God has provided for us. And it's your responsibility to receive it. Amen. You can't receive it if you're asleep. Amen. Amen. You were here. Right. But you weren't here. Right. We keep watch over your soul. And when you're challenged by them as you are this morning, do not let that be a moment for pride. We don't seek conflict. No faithful shepherd seeks conflict. But if there is a potential hint of danger, it's our job 
Because we've been entrusted with it to warn you, to correct you, to teach you. And we ourselves are not perfect. Our families are not perfect. Our children aren't perfect. But we all must be willing to accept correction. I pray that you and I both humbly do so. The elders have what is best for you. Because we've been called to that responsibility. We've been laboring through Revelation, laboring through Colossians, so that we at the very end of all of our lives might say, might hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Saints, allow God to examine your hearts. The elders have made commitments to serve and to shepherd, not perfectly, but growing and progressively. Are you submitting to them and trusting their leadership? If we can only tell you what you want to hear, if we can only preach to you what you want to hear, then you don't want shepherds. You want yes men. And the faithful servant of God is not a yes man. Obey your leaders to submit to them. They keep watch over your soul and we'll give an account. Do you trust us? You trust our leadership? You trust our decisions? Not without biblical basis. I'm not going to say go run 10 miles. That's ridiculous. I can't run 10 miles. We're those who care for your soul. God has given us to you and you to us. And even more, we're allowed to come to the table. To dine with Christ. To fellowship with him. And then there is a final blessing. Don't miss it all. It's all meeting with God. Because we were once denied access. But by Christ, we've been granted access. Our sin once denied us, and now it's been removed by our high priest. Therefore, let us enter in with confidence. Let us hold fast our confession of faith. Let us consider how we might stir one another up to love and good deeds. Let us not forsake this assembly. For when we assemble, we meet with God. Let's pray.